Welcome to Declassified. Like the name suggests, we're not always super classy. Take note. So we are back with part two of our cult little mini series. I'd like to say it's good vibes cult cult time good vibes Mine cult was, time but renee i, I, I really wanted it of like good vibes cult good time. vibes cult time but renee's cult really wasn't about the good vibes the family doomsday and then Susie had um realism which i thought was kind of good good vibing yeah mine, better than mine. it was much better than yours definitely but, rainbow vibes there but I think the common uh, thread is these were all cults that were started in like late 60s, early 70s. So I'm going to keep the ball rolling with my fun cult <clears throat> because I really wanted to deep dive into, as I was saying before, into Nexium. And it's a huge web with tons of interesting characters. But I was really on a quest to find a cult that wasn't dark and sinister. So... No rape, murder, brainwashing, or sex rings. Then is that a cult? Impossible, you ask? <laughs> it is impossible. <laughs> I thought so too, Renee. Until I stumbled upon a little cult that was coincidentally in full swing in the early to mid-70s when I was born. Coincidence, you ask? <laughs> Maybe not. But it's a good one. It's a really, really good one. This brings me to my first question for you ladies. So what do Marlon Brando, John Lennon, Yoko Ono, Joni Mitchell, Andy Warhol, Goldie Hawn, Steve McQueen, and Woody Allen I should know this. all yeah. have in common? They were uh, famous. They were all famous. <laughs> what cult are they in? But they I know, all I know. have loose ties to this cult. Uh, and some yeah. more like stronger ties than, than others. Yeah. But so they all frequented the super popular Source restaurant that opened in the late 60s on Sunset Boulevard in L.A. So the Source at during its time, during its heyday, was the trendy equivalent of today's Spago and Nobu. So the place to see and be seen before farm to table and clean eating were a thing. The Source was a first of its kind restaurant offering celebs organic vegetarian meals. There's even a scene in the famous Woody Allen movie, Annie Hall, that takes place on the patio at the Source restaurant. Hmm. A lot of good vibes, mm -hmm. right? I'm feeling <laughs> dewy. <laughs> so you could, you could picture it. So the guy at the helm of this hotspot turns out to be one of the most interesting dudes I've ever come across and was the leader of what's known as the Source Family Love Cult. Love Cult? Love That's cult. romantic. I love it. Holy shit, double-sided. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's all good. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Renee. Don't be That's afraid. Just this is the love cult. Love cult. Overwhelmed. Get along. I'm overwhelmed. Come along for the ride, would you? So um, his cult leader name was Father Yod. So, which is actually... <laughs> Sounds like, a lot like Father Joe. <laughs> so it's Yoda, like Yoda, but without the A. Okay. So, but he was born James Baker in 1922 in Cincinnati, Ohio, although he claimed to have been awarded the Silver Star while serving in the Marine Corps during World War II. The Marines, the Marines 
don't carry James Edward Baker's name in its official listing of Silver Star recipients. So I guess he just decided he was a Silver Star recipient. He's like, I deserved it. So he also claimed to have become an expert in jujitsu. He moved to California to become a Hollywood stuntman and was influenced by the Nature Boys, a Los Angeles-based group of beats who lived a natural lifestyle, maintained vegetarian diets, and lived according to nature's laws. He also studied philosophy, religion, and esoteric spiritual teachings, even becoming a Vedantic monk for a time. Vedantic? Vedantic. Don't ask me what that means. It is capitalized, so it's proper, so it must be some form of Buddhism, maybe. Renee, like your Anne lady there, similar time period, and he was into the yogi thing. Opening your mind to other things. Get away from that 1950s. Yep. It was the, you know, late 60s, early 70s. Lots of love. Lots of love. Because this was a feel-good vibes cult, many of the members are still alive and well and willing to talk about the good old days. Was Willie Nelson in this? Did you say him? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. I don't know why. I could I got... see him. He actually kind of looks like Father Yod. <laughs> actually, I could see. I could see him fitting right in. So, because there's still people around who were in the cult, much of my information is actually from reading stuff written or quoted by this woman, Isis Aquarian. Obviously, not her birth name. <laughs> who was appointed documentarian of source family so there's actually a ton of archival footage photographs posters recordings etc and she's written a book um with another member you know former member of the cult and they've also collaborated on a 2012 documentary which i really want to watch i think it went to maybe sundance or south by southwest in 2012 Mm. so it did well but it's not one of those ones that you've been hearing about on netflix it's not very current So you might be curious as to how Father Yod raised the money to open this restaurant because he didn't seem to have any job at the time. So he Mm -hmm. moved to L.A. to become an actor, but I don't know how that was going for him. He wasn't making a living off of it. He bragged that he raised the money to open the source restaurant by holding up banks, although these claims have never been proven. Silver Star, bank robber. Mm-hmm. But Isis, this the woman Isis Aquarian, she has since given information that he was able to finance the startup costs for his restaurant by convincing a hiker he had met on the Calabas Trail to loan him $35,000 to open a restaurant based on the dietary wisdom in the teachings of Jesus Christ as revealed through the essence gospels of peace. Like in cash? Like the hiker is like here's thirty five grand. As if a hiker would have that kind of. So it was like that was her story. So you know she was in the in the family. That was the story that she tells about where that first like bundle of money money. came from. Startup money came from. He just said he robbed banks to get it. Like I I feel like this guy wanted to make himself look like a badass. Like you know, awarded medals in the Marines. And robbing banks to raise money. And here I am. (laughs) Now let me open a restaurant. (laughs) Here I am. So um, the Aquarians described in their book that um, the food at the source was consciously prepared for the highest vibration. 
and served <laughs> groovy dude i know right like i just i love the way this is all Highest like vibration the yeah. language that they used is just like you just don't get that now you no, just yeah. like there were people walking around like lots and lots of people who talked this way and they weren't necessarily in cults like they just spoke that way i would have loved this so um stop laughing at me i don't know why this is so funny <laughs> So it was prepared for the highest vibration and served by hip young women and men with long hair who radiated health and serenity. So like me. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They radiate health and serenity. So um, Jim, or Father Yod, transformed the fireplace in the dining room into a waterfall and he would light candles over it. The melted wax made colorful psychedelic designs on the mantle. Wow. The moody blues, Jethro Tull, or Zen meditation music played in the background. Nice. So the food at the source was popular, with reports claiming that the restaurant earned daily sales of $10,000 during its heyday. Shit. Daily. Daily? Daily sales. And that's in the 70s? So... So adjusted for... I'll tell you, Susie. Oh, you have that? Because I'm that quick at math. Let me just... Calculate even adjusted for inflation, that would be nearly forty thousand dollars a day in today's dollars. What? Yeah. So, <clears throat> the notion that the restaurant would earn that much gave credence to support the source's growth and lifestyle. Father Yod, who sported a long white beard and crisp white suits, was known to drive around in a large white Rolls Royce. As young men and women joined the family, Yod purchased a house in the Hollywood Hills where members of the commune lived to create a stronger sense of a utopian community, all supported by the profits of the source restaurant. When does the story take a turn and it's actually the Manson family? It doesn't. Ugh. It doesn't. God damn it. But there was a lot of, you know, suspicion that surrounded them because right. of the Mansons in L.A. during that time yeah. period. So... I'll, I will get to that. But, yeah, they actually had to move out of L.A. because there was mm. so much suspicion around them. Oh. But it was all by the book. So this was just a man who, I mean, you know, wanted obviously. Wanted to feel the vibrations. He wanted to feel the vibrations. He was ahead of his time, had a hugely successful restaurant. Tons of celebrities were coming. Word of mouth, mm -hmm. you know, growth. And it all seemed to be pretty by the book in terms of how he made his money. That's so insane. Mm. Yeah. So Father Yod, um, or Jim Baker, had two other successful restaurants on the Sunset Strip, the Aware Inn and the Old World. So, you know, there was growth beyond just the Source restaurant. But it sounds like, you know, even though there wasn't anything shady or sinister going on, the restaurants were used as a way to recruit new members. But by all accounts, his devotees were hardworking, intelligent, economically self-sufficient people who were drawn to his magnetism. Oh. So these are people who were coming in with, like, they weren't yeah. looking to jump ship from their yeah. lives. They were just really drawn to him. Mm -hmm. This is, you guys know, this is always the fascinating part for me when we talk about cults, which is just what makes a seemingly normal person tip over the edge like what's that turning point where yeah. you're like everything's normal and then you happen to meet this one person that's just like I'm they, gonna yeah abandon. you're enamored with them i'm going to abandon everything mm -hmm. so in the case of isis aquarian um who her name was actually charlene peters at the time she's 
it's like Charlene, Charlene Peters. Like, it's like you change. picture like two different images, but she's actually pictures I saw of her. She was really attractive, like a very attractive woman. That's what I envision all of these people as like very hi- yes. hyper attractive. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. Crazy. They were, except rich. him. Honestly, like he was the only one that who was like stood average. out. He looked like, well, I'll get to that. He looked like Moses. So, <laughs> yep, yep. So she's quoted um, in an interview as saying that when she went to the restaurant for the first time and stepped out onto the patio and saw him, Father Yod, he looked like Moses. He was not the Jim Baker that I knew. Something just happened. It was like his frequency uncoded my frequency, and that was it. I knew that's what I was waiting for, and I never left. I just walked out on everything. Like, the thought that you could meet somebody and be that drawn to them that you completely... That's a weak person. I mean, I know, Renee, when you met Jason, like, that was it for you. (laughs) Yes. Let me tell you. When he showed up in his windowless work van, I was like... Looking forward to being kidnapped tonight. <laughs> I'm in. I'm done with everything. I'm but done. just that concept to me is wild. so wild. It's wild. And she was an independent woman. She was actually, I think, engaged to a photographer at the time. And she met him. She was um, looking for someone to pose for a poster for Jesus Christ Superstar. And someone said, you should get down to the source because there's the guy that runs the restaurant looks like Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. So apparently she went there and saw him and was just like, that's it. That's berserker. Crazy, right? So she, as in like, she fell in love with him or she just felt a really strong connection with him? It was like transcended space and time. So I don't think... It was like traditional love yeah, necessarily. Yeah. It was like spiritual, Wait, transcendental. Am I, am I supposed to have found that person to marry? Because I don't. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't think. That's, I, I mean, think I love the, him, but I think if you were out to find someone in the seventies, I think that was probably your criteria. Thank God yeah. we've come down from that because I feel like it's not too. Yeah, right. we'd I, all be it's not, lonely. Old yes, spinsters. Exactly. <laughs> so. But she says she wasn't planning, this is the weird part, she says she wasn't planning to walk out on everything, but she was searching for some type of spiritual path. Mm. She says, I tried Buddhism, I tried different things, I did have a longing for something, there was just something that wasn't fulfilled within me, but I didn't know what it was. I think that that's, that that's, a, that that's a thing. Like, someone is searching for something, whether they're outwardly telling people that they're searching for something, or they just know that... Like, if she was engaged to a photographer, I'm, I mean, I, I feel like if you asked her, would she be like, well, he was great, but I knew that something wasn't right, and mm-hmm. I was searching for something else. And then that charismatic person, you you find mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. and then you're just like, oh, this is what I've been searching for. The universe is aligning. Right. right. This is what I should go for. Because if I wasn't searching for something and I met that charismatic person, mm-hmm. would I be... I probably wouldn't jump for for that person if I wasn't already right, in search. In search, but I feel like everyone's in search of something. Not I. You have everything you could ever possibly. Money. I'm in search of money. Right, yeah. right. That's what I mean. Like, everyone's in search of something. So there's something that anybody could point to 
But I think that that, like, that that search is a spiritual, like, I need someone to fulfill. Right, right. Fulfill what's not. Yeah. What's broke. I need the lottery to fulfill my need for money. But it's weird because it was, like we said, she wasn't really in love with him in, like, a traditional sense. You'd leave everything just for a spiritual awakening, I guess. Some people need something bigger than themselves. But so what's fascinating to me is that over 40 years later, the vibe and the philosophy for her way of thinking is still so sharp and vivid. So she still like talks and and is in, even though she's this cult has disbanded. I'll get to that, but she's Mm. been living a normal life outside of this Mm -hmm. life for over 40 years, but she still puts her mind like right back to where she was at that time, which is crazy. When she talks about a typical day, what a typical day was like on the commune, and this is just so delightful, we would get up and do some yoga stretches and some breathing. We usually had a pool wherever we would live, so we would just kind of dip into the cold water, which was very refreshing, and get dressed, have a cup of coffee, and wait for morning meditation, which was our morning class. We always greeted the sun wherever we were. We would go outside and watch the sunrise, and then we would start our day. People would either go and work at the source, so they were, like, working at the restaurant, normal job, Mm -hmm. or we would do our duties around the house or whatever business energies were happening. The band would go into the band room and try different things, you know, make a few more albums. We had artists. We all were a thread that made up that tapestry, and everybody had their part that they did. The band that she's talking about was, there was this actually kind of successful psychedelic rock band. Father Yod was the lead singer, and they actually recorded nine albums and sold them. Shit. They sold them at the restaurant for $10 each. Oh, wow. Which seems like a lot, like for the early 70s, yeah. $10 an album seems kind of what like a lot of, of money. The name of their band was Yahowa 13. <laughs> Yahowa 13. Um, There were actually other bands formed in the house, but that was the most popular. And there's like, I guess like a big, like business for collectors now who want to collect their albums. So Mm. yeah. So like if you're like a lot of musicians are Mm -hmm. trying, they're worth a lot of money basically. As we said, so they sustained themselves by, you know, earning money from the source restaurant. And then um, there were certain people periodically who would come in with money and that was given to the whole. So the source, because it was such a successful restaurant and it was so popular, there was just always money flowing in the house. Everything, the wealth was distributed throughout the house equally. Everything was shared. So that kind of common, which doesn't necessarily mean cult mm, when you, right. there's, com, you know, communes. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I was like a little bit torn as to whether or not this was a commune or a cult, but there's some other weird things that I'll tell you about. But um, everybody had what they needed. There was a time that we all had our own jewelry. I wouldn't say anybody lacked anything, she says. There was a point when we could have had anything we wanted, but this earth material plane was kind of not our focus. You get very simple when you start dealing in other realms, the materialistic stuff of this realm is not that important. It's kind of nice, right? Isis, yeah. Also, apparently, their aesthetic <laughs> was very um, trendy at the time because it was such a popular restaurant, um, and a lot of celebrities were going there. I think, you know, the the wait staff all dressed in this kind of, like, freeform way. So 
they had their own rules and protocols and the dress reflected the healthy eating, free flowing aesthetics of their lifestyle. So nobody cut their hair, not even the men. And they went through periods of different wardrobe themes. So sometimes they would dress like Egyptians. Sometimes it was Asian influence. Sometimes it was Roman. Sometimes it was Grecian. And they would just kind of change things up when they wanted to change things up. Interesting. <laughs> so today it I'm works wear... if everyone agrees. Yeah. It works if everyone agrees. If everyone agrees to wear a toga on the same day. It works. Right. If, if one... everyone agrees that they're all going to not worry about materialistic things, then it works. It's when someone yeah. becomes greedy mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. unhappy or. Yeah. So I didn't come across that. I don't. I. It seems like obviously the money was going somewhere. By her, by Isis's account, it well, was being she, she didn't want for anything, but when right. she needed something, she had what she needed. But it was being funded, like so. That's the that's the thing. Yeah. Like if it's being funded by an outside source, like yes, we would all love to yeah. be in a commune that right. gives us whatever we want. When we don't, we can either go work at the restaurant for a shift, yeah, or we can dust. Well, but then Father Yod was driving like a Rolls Royce. So I don't think everybody was driving. He was, he was clearly controlling the money. I just think that again, back to the brainwashing, even though it didn't seem like she was brainwashed, there was some aspect of his preaching that made her feel like it was okay to just have only a little bit of what she needed. Mm -hmm. She didn't need her own money. She wasn't, you know, independent with her own Mm -hmm. money. So apparently they didn't drink alcohol. Um, boring as a rule a beautiful house with a pool well because marijuana was the sacred herb um there were a few periods throughout family time where isa says somebody would bring a big bowl of mushrooms and father yod would try them it's not like we went out and bought it but if somebody brought it father had a tendency to try it i think once there was some cocaine and then i guess father yod came away from the experience saying that he didn't feel any higher than when he does meditation or deep breathing. As he checked that off the list. We were high from the way we were living, she says, the way we were eating, the way we were thinking, just what we had tuned in with. So it was a lot of marijuana. I guess apparently he did LSD and speed in his before the restaurant. Mm-hmm. So he had already kind of been down that road. And now it was just all of these like more good vibes. Sacred herbs. Sacred herbs. So the whole family was involved in the music. When they went into the band room, they had speakers in other parts of the house where everybody could hear everything that was happening. They all, I guess their music influences were common for the time, like the Beatles. But once they started doing their own music, it was spontaneous and there were no rules. Uh, They had different bands. The one I told you guys about was Yahweh... 13 Yahowah 13 but then there was another band called breathe they rehearsed and wrote songs but the musicians she says the isis says the musicians had already been tuned into working so cosmically with each other that one of them could do a riff and the other one would just take off on it father would be very excited and have them play it back for us the next day in class so i just picture it was that psychedelic rock Sort of like Grateful Dead, really like taken up a notch. So, yeah. 
and you know you can you can hear it right ongoing (laughs) now i can like 10 15 minute long songs right and everybody's probably smoking you're really gonna be high to enjoy and there yeah and he would play it in class so it would i don't know i guess they would all show up and he'd be like let's play this riff from yesterday and and he'd be like actually cheryl could you stand up and 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 play it with your mouth But what, what's the harm? What is the harm? They were um, peaceful people. So when she was asked, when Isis was asked what romantic life was like in the family, she said romantic life was great. There were never any orgies, which was shocking to me. Yeah. I feel like she'd have no reason to lie about that. She says it was pretty much one-on-one energy between two people and the same with father. Sex was very sacred, and there were protocols. Nobody had to do anything they didn't want to do or be with anybody they didn't want to be with. We were pairing up all the time, different pairings, different situations. Sex is a creative force of the universe if it's done and understood right. As far as as father and his women, he had 14 women. And there were times when there were different groupings of who the women were. But when we moved to San Francisco, he sealed the deal. So... After they were in L.A. for time, like I mentioned, after the whole Manson thing broke, they did have to move to San Francisco to kind of escape all of the scrutiny. And then after, at that point, I think he kind of sealed the deal, like she said, with 14 of the same women. So he had 14 wives. He was only legally married to one woman. Robin Popper was her name. So she was included in the 14 and they had a child together. And I think he had two other children with two of the other women. Again, a man kind of abusing power a little bit mm-hmm. there. Um, so she was asked, was, was that a challenging situation? And she says, you know, I'm sure it was challenging depending on who you talk to. They might have their own version of it, but I didn't have an issue with it. She says, I didn't have that karma in this lifetime with that man. We were just doing the work together. So kind of back to what we were talking about before, Mm -hmm. it was a spiritual. So she wasn't part of the 14? She was. Oh. She actually was. So she says, I'm sure some of the other women had issues, but there wasn't anything that wasn't honored or respected and worked out. That was a very high priority in our thought patterns, the concept of working out threads with each other and incarnations of many lifetimes and being as clear as possible. He was really big on what this next golden age was about, and you had to be as clear as possible to step into it, which means you couldn't bring all the old crap with you. So it was like, leave your shit at the door. Like, this is all about the new next level. Yeah, I like, I mean... That's all good in theory, but it takes years for people to let go of their shit. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't just say, like, this is a place of new thinking, so clear your mind and come on in. Like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't doesn't work like that. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure this woman, like, isn't lying. Yeah. I I would be curious to interview the rest of the cult the commune yeah to say like well what did you think about it what did you think yeah and it's I'm like sure everybody yeah. has a different yeah like leave your shit at the door that's great but if you came from like and it's also like i'm sorry but who's benefiting from this the most like i feel like we should always go back to that question is like are we benefiting from this equally or is there somebody that 
is getting more out of this mm-hmm. and why and why and it's always the leader right it's always oh, yeah it's always yeah. the leader you have more fun as a follower you make more money as a leader yeah mm-hmm. curious what his belief system was so what what was it was it religious if, if there was brainwashing what were the teachings and isis says that they took from everything they took from every religion they took from past lives we took from the mystery teachings, we took from yogis, from Buddha, whatever made sense and worked to us and distilled it into our own uniqueness, which is like so common, I feel like, with so every vague. cult we've talked about. It's Cherry like, pick as it's much a as little can. bit of this, yep. a little bit of that. It's a hodgepodge. She's like, you know, she understands that it's confusing to a lot of people, but it wasn't confusing to them because they saw each other as God. This is interesting. She says, we saw the God and goddess in each of us at a time when that concept wasn't really popular or it was misunderstood. That's how we saw father. And that's how he tried to get us to see each other. And that was our evolution from being just a human to a spiritual being. You look like you're going to poke your eyes out, Renee. (laughs) This is all bullshit. No, I don't know. I'm trying to... You're trying to get along for the ride, but you know that even though I'm saying there's no dark, sinister part of this, that there is. There 100% has to be, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Bring it on. Yep. How many kids was he keeping in the basement? There's no, I didn't come across any mention of kids, which I think was why it was easy. Or sex rings. Or sex slaves. I didn't come across, not that it didn't, didn't want to be sexless, not that it didn't right. exist, but I liked that there were no kids involved because it's mm. just, it makes me sick and takes me to a different place. As we mentioned before, so things kind of started to go south when, um, the Mansons became a thing and they felt like they couldn't circumvent all of the scrutiny that was obviously, you know, thrust upon them. So it was not something, so this is Isis talking now. She says it was not something you could go off on your own and still be a part of. That started becoming the issue toward the end, and that was basically when Father Yod talked several times about dispersing the family because it had gone beyond being manageable, especially when we sold the source and moved. I think the idea was that they would sell the source, take the money from that, and kind of grow the family in San Francisco. But when they did that, they didn't have the means of supporting themselves. Right. So, I mean, that was they such lost a their source of income. They, didn't, they lost yeah. the source, lost their source. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like he, on one hand, he seems like he must've been such a smart, successful businessman mm. to run a restaurant like that, but to then just sell it. And I think his probably greed, greed of power within the family mm-hmm. probably superseded his like knowledge of business and really you know urge to run a business she says it was like we didn't really have that golden egg anymore that supported us so when everybody had to start thinking about going out and working that was really a horrible time mm. <laughs> how stupid wow. how stupid that's, what I, that, what? that's the thing i'm what always like threats? i would love to go to rehab I would love to go to rehab yeah. to be told to get up at 7 a.m and make yeah. my bed and come share my feelings yeah. But I'm not, like, in addiction, so it's like, I just want to go there 
without addiction to like be taken care of. So yes, that yes, sounds everybody. lovely. Yes. If someone else is paying the bills yeah. and all I have to do is dust yeah. mm-hmm. and I can still go out in the real world. Like, yeah, that sounds great, but it doesn't. Yeah. It sounds like he was just a moron basically because <laughs> she's like, you know, she, she says, because when we left LA, nobody gave us an opportunity to start another restaurant or get grounding anywhere. No shit. Like that's a once in a lifetime to have a restaurant that successful is a once in a lifetime. So he squandered that foolishly. And then I think even the the stigma around the way that they looked and the way that they were kind of followed them even to San Francisco because they had this presence of, you know, he was this bearded figure with all of these women lined up behind him. And so everybody was skeptical. So maybe maybe he tried to open another restaurant. I I didn't come across that, but he never really found the same the same success. So eventually they actually he moved to Hawaii. They moved the family to Hawaii and wanted to try to buy, I think, a piece of land where they could just kind of live mm-hmm. live off the land, like, you know, grow their own vegetables and be um self self sufficient. Which also sounds great, right? Yep. It sounds like it's going to be like, oh, yeah, the land will just give us everything that we need. I don't think it works as easily as everyone. Oh, it doesn't. Yeah. So it didn't work out. <laughs> so, Shocking. So, P.S. It spoiler actually, alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. It actually did not work out. So all of this culminated into what I think is just like the wackiest end to this story. I wait. This is crazy crazy. So on December 26, 1974, the Source family had moved to Hawaii trying to, you know, make another life for themselves. And despite having no previous hang gliding experience, (laughs) Father Yod decided that he would go hang gliding. He used a hang glider to leap off a 1300 foot cliff on the eastern shore of Oahu. Is that the end of him? He crash landed on the beach while he suffered no external injuries, he was unable to move and died nine hours later. Wow. And the group disbanded two years later in 1977. So this is a picture which we'll post so you guys can see him surrounded by his harem. Wow. Of 14 women. I mean, he's One of like an Two of them are old, pregnant? One of them? Old man. Two, yeah, and then yeah, they, over there. Oh, they do. See, they didn't... There was no mention of children born into this he looks like the lord of the rings guy you shall yeah. not pass yes solomon King yeah solomon. so i think because i was up so late um doing my research and i was pulling pictures there's actually an iphone commercial out right now have you seen it for the voice voice thing not voice thing face recognition where it's the guy in the the the, the lounge the, chair, the lounge and he chair, like opens his eyes, and he opens his eyes, and he he the chair pulls up, and it's like he looks at his phone, and then he brings that. So I swear that guy looks exactly like Father Yod, and <laughs> I'm gonna post a picture, like a side by side, a side by side. We have to because, and either that or I was just up too late doing research, and everybody <laughs> so started to look like Father Yod. Side note: All those dresses are really pretty. No, they were beautiful. Yeah. They were like a beautiful group of people. I can see why celebrities were drawn to them. Mm-hmm. Not him necessarily, but everybody else. We're all, as Renee would say, we're all sitting in this vehicle. I think it's time we get to one of the fucks that we, we give. Yes. Do you want me to go first? Yes, Susie. What do you have? Oh, okay. So on the 10th, which was 
Wednesday? Yeah. Wednesday, my friend gave birth to her first baby, Aww. baby boy, Oliver Mark. And he's perfect. He's seven pounds, seven ounces. Aww. Really adorable. And I'm really, really proud of her. And it's really making me realize how much work goes into like pregnancy and giving birth to a healthy baby mm-hmm. and how much women get overlooked before during and after their pregnancies and how much we don't give them credit it's an, an extraordinary feat especially she did it natural she had an all-natural birth with no medication oh. so i just think it's unbelievable what women are capable of and i just uh that's the fuck that i give congratulations yeah i'm really excited can't wait to meet him nay um so tying nicely to this uh cult episode uh there is a new film the once upon a time in hollywood thank you Mm. okay yep once upon a time in hollywood is coming out it's the new quentin tarantino film and um it is with Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt about a fictitious, fictitious struggling actor, and it becomes loosely tied with the Tate murders, and her 50th anniversary is coming up, and Sharon Tate's sister is really kind of outraged at the at the whole thing, because they're not telling the full story, they're not, they're not even really... Acknowledging um, it. Yeah, kind of going down the, the road to, to honor... Sharon and so her sister's kind of like this is just a ploy to exploit the murders and I just I want to see the movie but at the same time I hope Quentin Tarantino did a little bit of justice for for that family and what the Mansons did was horrific I probably won't won't go pay for it but hopefully it'll come to HBO in Mm. a few months yeah Mm -hmm. good well I'll switch gears since this might be the first podcast we've ever recorded without a nice, refreshing um, beverage in our hands. And by, by oh. beverage, I <laughs> So, Renee, I know we're, like, in, in honor of you being hungover today, I know that's probably not... I just want to say that as... this is the second part of the episode, but we're recording it on the same day. So it's not like two episodes where I'm hungover. That, I'm so glad. Oh, yeah, right. This is part I'm two. I'm so drunk that yes. I'm always hungover. It's this so... That's so good day. that you clarified that because I know <laughs> that would be like, what is up with this Renee lady? She is just... I am a tying bad, one but on, I don't want but everyone not, to know that. Not that bad. Not that bad. So since I'm thirsty, I, I'm i thinking about the last delicious beverage that I had, which was over the 4th of July. I had one of those pre-made margaritas, which don't tend to be very good, but this was Cayman Jack. Have you guys had that one before? No. Cayman Jack. Prepared cocktails. They have margaritas and mojito flavors. And it was really good. Delicious. So if you guys are... You can press your over 21. Oh, I've never been... I'm over 21. Now they'll show me a picture. I have to oh, be over 21 go. for them to show me a picture. They come in these really oh, cute, cute bottles. Yeah. And the next time we record, I'm bringing them. Yay. I'm so excited. Because this is what's on my mind. And you'll be feeling better by then. I'll be feeling better so, by then. So no worries. No worries. Are they super sugary? 
No, they're not. That's well, why that's, they're that's good. That's the problem with those. That's ones. why they always mm. put too much. I don't even buy them, sweet. and I'll try one if someone has it. Yeah. And that's that was the case, and it was the fourth, and it was so good. So, next time, nice. treat on me. Thanks for so, sweet. Yeah, anytime. Yeah, I'll bring guacamole. Gotcha. Yay! Oh. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Rate, subscribe, and review on Apple or Spotify. Find us on social media. Classified <laughs> us with a Y. <laughs> See you next time. Bye.